The Naked Naturopath is super excited to team up with Remedy Kombucha to help bring this podcast to you. I'm always talking fermented foods and drinks, and I based my cookbooks around the health benefits of these things. Sarah and Emmett Condon started Remedy on their kitchen bench, just like I did when I started experimenting. They make their drinks the old school way in small batches using a long aged brewing process. What they have now is the tastiest, healthiest, raw kombucha going around. This means that it still has all of those good bacteria and live cultures, organic acids and antioxidants that are great for your gut and your overall well-being and health. You can find out more and order online via remedydrinks.com. And for all my amazing listeners that are here on the podcast, you can get a treat by entering the code TNN for The Naked Naturopath at the checkout. You'll get 20% off and free delivery. Thanks, Emma and Sarah, and enjoy the podcast today. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to Melissa Gearing, The Naked Naturopath. Mel is a qualified naturopath, herbalist, and nutritionist. She can't wait to share her thoughts on all things health and wellness with you. My name is Melissa Gearing, and I am the Naked Naturopath. Thanks for listening in. Hey guys, you're with Mel here on the Naked Naturopath. Thanks for tuning in. As promised, this is part two of the Sugar Talk, which is actually going to be a little bit more about fat. And I, I can't talk about sugar without talking about fat because they go hand in hand in terms of um, how they work in the body. What's happened over the last probably 50 years is that as fat has been taken out of our diet, sugar has been added um, increasing in increasing, increasing amounts and we have seen our health decline. Fat does not make you fat. It, um, you know, it's, it's not the culprit for the growing obesity epidemic. Even though fat makes you fat is logical, um, it's, you know, and you would think, hey, it's got to be the fat that we're eating because we're all getting fat. Um, Unfortunately, it's just not that simple. Uh, Fat doesn't make you fat. Fat keeps us full and satiated. So once it's been removed from food, we need to consume more of that food to feel full and add to the low fat foods all of the sugar that's uh, doubled, tripled, whatever. In many instances, the slim option is actually a sure way to gain weight. It Fat also serves to um, you know, regulate our hormones, provide us energy, fuel, and feed our cells. It keeps them healthy and supple. Eating fat allows a feedback mechanism to kick in, which tells our hypothalamus we are full and to stop eating. So if we don't have that fat in there, we may, uh, well, we will very likely overeat. I talked about Pete Evans' new podcast, sorry, not podcast, his documentary in the first half of this part one of this podcast. And, um, you know, he talks about fat being super important for the brain in that in that doco. The other thing that I would suggest you take a look at is this um, series called The Broken Brain. And it was actually free online for a little while. I'm not sure where it's at now, but it was fantastic. And one of the things that they start with is that, the brain is made of fat, so it needs fat to function. And eating fat will get you thin. And um, this, you know, this notion that you, we need fat to maintain a natural body weight. We are thin by millions of years of evolutionary design. We are we are made to, I guess, maintain our normal weight structure. 
If we are eating the foods that our body is made to ingest, we can rely on that inherent feedback loop to tell us when we are hungry, when we are full, uh, to store minimal additional body fat and to maintain an optimal body weight. David Gillespie, who I mentioned in the last cast, part one of this as well, he points out in his book, Sweet Poison, that the popularity of the fat makes you fat theory was really brought to the forefront by one man in particular, and Pete Evans' new doco goes through Dr. Key's finding as well. He, this guy, Dr. Ansel Keys, um, he became very famous and very rich for publishing a study based on seven different countries, which showed that fat consumption made you fat and was related to high cholesterol in particular. However, that study included data from 22 different countries, and he only chose to use seven. Seven that he chose, you know, like he chose to use the seven that suited his um, criteria. And diplomatically, yeah, it may suggest selectivity, but but you know, why else would he choose those countries? It made his graph look great, and you know, he also had other dubious findings in his stuff. But that graph, that graph of the seven countries that he chose out of twenty-two. It became the basis for the fat-free movement and it's very much um, still ingrained in our food pyramid or our food plate as well. Over the following three decades that after he did this, the, the fat intake dramatically decreased and the average waistline doubled. So as fat was removed from products and sugar and salt were added for flavor, we saw a decline in health and an incline, um, an increase in obesity. In 1977, this guy called um, Dr. Mann, Dr. George Mann, he described the notion that eating fat gives you heart disease as the greatest scam in the history of medicine. He studied um, a particular tribe in Kenya, the, I'm going to say Maasai, and I'm sorry if I'm butchering the pronunciation of that, but he concluded with, with looking at those guys that a diet high in fat could not possibly affect cholesterol levels. The tribe that he looked at in particular, they believe that vegetables are the food of cows and they eat a kilo of meat in each sitting and have the lowest ever recorded cholesterols, cholesterol levels. So it was like half that of the American um, society. And certainly you cannot look at things in isolation like that and expect to extrapolate that to the whole of um, the Western Western society or different countries and stuff like that because I do believe that our bodies evolve to eat certain ways and certain foods based on where we've come from and our environment and all that kind of stuff. But it did put this into question. So that's probably my main my main kind of things on fat. And I would love it if you have any questions, you can um, you know send me an email and we can go further with it. But yeah, look, sugar declined, fat. Um, sugar increased, fat declined, and we've got a load of health issues. The one thing in particular that the broken brain deals with is the idea that this reduction in fat has really affected the way that our brain works and the idea that, you know, um, the fat that we are eating is seed oils, canola oils, and all that kind of stuff. Um, David Gillespie, the guy who wrote, Sweet Poison, he has another book out um, 
oh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's based on fat. It could be called Big Fat Lies or something like that. And it's, you know, he talks about the rancidity of vegetable oils and how detrimental they are to our body. Omega-3 and 6 are essential. Our body doesn't make them, so we need to eat them and we need to eat good quality fat. Otherwise, it becomes toxic and, you know, can cause all kinds of free radical damage in the body. So going back to olive oils and coconut oils and all that kind of stuff is um, is important. It's an important movement and butter rather than the cheaper seed oils. What I would suggest, the best thing that you can do is look at a food or a product and ask yourself where that came from. To follow on from the sugar at the start of this talk, it's really difficult to give you a definitive answer on natural sweeteners and what what um you know is the best way to go however i highly 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 encourage you to eat fruit fruit is a whole food and when i say go back and look at where the food come from when you look at canola oil sunflower oil seed oil seeds are not overly oily things so it has to go through really high amount of processing to get to that stage i would Put that same logic into place when you look at something like brown rice syrup. I mentioned I quit sugar um, previously and the fructose-free movement has really brought about the increasing usage of brown rice syrup. And that's fine. It is fructose-free. However, I would look at brown rice and then look at brown rice syrup and think about what that has had to go through to get to that point. Brown rice syrup is made from, um, you know, fermented cooked rice. It's a blend of complex carbohydrates, maltose and glucose. It is fructose-free, like I said, but it has a GI of 94. So it's a really high GI, and so it will still raise your blood sugar levels. I'm not totally convinced. Dr. McCullough, which um, I've spoken about him as well, he advises not to use brown rice syrup. He thinks it's the same as, you know, some um, having cane sugar or even having some of the artificial sweeteners. I favor honey, and I know that honey is like a big no fructose. Um, people who don't like fructose don't like honey because it, it does have a really high amount of fructose. I think it's like 70% off the top of my head, but a raw, unpressed honey unprocessed honey especially if you can get it local natural it's natural and it's a whole food and um it contains chromium which is a mineral that's that helps support and balance your blood sugar levels it's antimicrobial honey is used as a medicine and it's about moderation um how much you use if you're having a bucket of honey every day obviously that's going to have some adverse effects for your health but um anything will in that amount Stevia, I, I don't mind stevia. It's not a bad option. It's 30 times sweeter than sugar, so keep that in mind. But it has no effect on blood sugar levels. It has no calories, and it has been attributed in studies to aid the pancreas and improve digestion. It was used traditionally as a medicine. However, keep in mind that not all stevia is stevia. Like all good things, it has been um contaminated many sugar experts say to treat white stevia powder as you do sugar and avoid it this is because the white powder has been isolated and extracted and it's often cut with chemicals it's um could be chlorinated to make it white stevia should be green and um you can get green stevia powder at all, at all good health food shops definitely 
There are different kind of kinds of sugar alcohols. Xylitol is an example. Often these are extracted from corn or wheat and um, they can have gastrointestinal side effects such as bloating and diarrhea. So just, just be mindful of them. They can also be bleached with chlorine if they're super white. They probably are. I've got a mouthwash at the moment that says GMO-free uh, xylitol, which is nice, you know, because it's um, obviously made from corn and they're looking at GM-free corn. It's important to remember that there's a lot of money in the cane sugar industry and there's a lot of money in the high fructose corn syrup industry as well. There have been some people who have kind of come out and said that companies deliberately use high fructose corn syrup because of its addictive nature it's said to be more addictive than cocaine and you know I I think I said at the start of part one of the sugar talk that there's rehab clinics now who are rehabbing people addicted to sugar so it really does affect people's lives and if it's being deliberately put into our food supply when other things could be used then we're in a really sad state there's a lot of there's a lot of drama and politics when it comes to food wheat sugar corn soy rice these foods are highly highly profitable and like i said there's a lot of money in there so i just i just want you to be mindful about what you read and and what you see and if you can just choose whole foods you don't have to worry about reading labels and and all that kind of thing and um that's always my advice eat for you eat whole foods ask where your food has come from not just what that cow has eaten, where that vegetable has grown, but also how far, you know, you can go further down the line and, and ask where, what has happened to that food for it to become that, like the rice malt syrup. I hope that helps and I hope you enjoyed it. And if you have any questions, email me, info at mgherbs.com.au and I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks and that's all for this week and I'll, um, yeah, I'll talk to you next week. Bye for now. If you like what we do here at The Naked Naturopath, then be sure to rate, review and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To learn more about Mal and MG Herbs, jump onto mgherbs.com, follow us on Facebook at MG Herbs Australia and Instagram at MG Herbs Official. Please keep in mind that all advice and opinions on The Naked Naturopath are not individualized. To get the right advice for you, be sure to make a booking with Mal or your health professional. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.